Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 38 for Monday, November 9th, 2015. Greetings, folks. And welcome to Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast. We come to you every week to talk about the things that we as working musicians and you as working musicians or aspiring working musicians of fans of working music, of working music, fans of music, live music, want to hear. And here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And out here in Los Gatos, California, Paul Kent. I love doing this with you every week, Paul. It's a, it is a lot of fun. We, yeah. I, I, the best thing, like when we started, it's just, uh, we, we might go a couple of weeks without touching base with each other and which would be a shame because, you yeah. know, we're, we've become such good friends over the past 20 years. And so, um, it is fun that we get to just talk about music, get some feedback from other people who like hearing us talk about music. So, and then do I got to tell you, there's a couple of things. Um, a bunch of the people that I play with, would love to come on the show and they've been pitching me all these ideas and well, let's I have think it'd be kind of fun. Yeah. 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 So Mary Ellen, we've been talking about having a woman come on and talk about being a woman in a band yep. and Mary Ellen is incredibly experienced and she's been doing it forever and she's incredibly good at it. So she'll be great. And then Steve uh, is the other one I do. I, I sing an acoustic madness with yeah. and Steve a, he works for Digidesign. Oh. He's a lifelong musician. He's done the original route. He's been a really successful blues artist. Um, he's, he's driven a number of great cover bands. And now he's, he, he says that this current path that he's on about doing acoustic music in a few different incarnations, duos, trios, solo, has been about as rewarding as anything that he's done. So he has a lot of perspectives on being a performing musician, and, and he's terrific. So both of them want to come on, so we can pick a couple dates for them. Fantastic. Next week, uh, we've got Mark Linsenmayer, who is right. the, the one who uh, wrote and recorded the, our theme song. Uh, I played with him, oh man, 20 years ago uh, in Austin, and we've been friends ever since. He's also the host or one of the hosts of the uh, Partially Examined Life uh, podcast as well. But uh, great songwriter. I mean, just like as good as they get. And, uh, yes. yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to, to have, have his perspective. He's totally like binge listened to all of the episodes and, and loves what we're doing here. So, um, I'm really curious, you know, he says he's, he's got some stuff he wants to talk about. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm eager to, to have that too, but, but for tonight, it's just you and me. And I, that's, yeah. I like that too. Yep. So, uh, we'll get a couple of guests going. I did want to share, I was in the lobby, the, like I, I've told you, I'm, I'm back in taking some music lessons because I want to work on my um, vocal technique. Okay. So I had some time this winter. And so I go to this place that's a pretty well-known kind of music school around here where this really wonderful woman uh, teaches. And I'm sitting in the lobby waiting for my time to come up. And this guy who's a, a, also a well-known local musician, he teaches at this institute. He pops his head. He goes, you're that podcast guy. Oh, which was kind of awesome. cool. Yeah. You, you know, we had met a couple of times, sure. um, you know, through music things, but he actually now kind of associated that that's one of the things I do. And he says he loves to listen to it on the way to gigs and, and uh, which was really cool. You know, you and I do this and we kind of know like in abstract numbers that people 
are listening. But when someone actually says, oh, you know, like when we had Dan East on and Dan kind of told us that, that he enjoyed listening to it. And, and, you know, my bandmates are listening to it and giving me feedback and they say they really like it. Steve and Mary Ellen, obviously, and then other musicians in the area who are listening to it. And that's really, really fun. And then we haven't talked about this, but maybe we should sometime. There are a number of people who are, are music fans, like you alluded to in the, in the intro, yeah. that are music fans. That are, like, I, wouldn't, I would think this would be a little, a little geeky. Too much inside baseball. Or, That's right. Yeah. But it makes sense, right? You, you know, if you go out to see bands enough, and again, I'm putting, putting myself in this, in this position, so maybe I'm the wrong guy to even offer this perspective. But it, it would seem to me that, you know, you go out to see bands, invariably you wind up watching them set up you wind up watching them tear down. Right. I mean, it's, it's not, it's different than going to a big, you know, arena show where a lot of the logistics are sort of obscured from view and, and you just get this final product delivered to you. But it, you know, when you're going to see live music, you get to talk to the musicians obviously. And, and, but you, you sort of get to see them go through the, the you know, at least that part of their lives and the setup and the, you know, kind of the, the, the grind part of it, as well as the fun part. And I could totally see where you'd want to be like, oh, yeah, let me, you know, can I peek behind the more of the curtain there? I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense how you say that. It would never have dawned on me when we started doing right. this and this. Thing. Right. Totally. Yeah. Me, me neither. Yeah. I would, I would not have picked that as, as, you know, one of the significant chunks of the <laughs> demographic, but it is. It totally is. Yeah. So I played. So, um, all good things. I played every day i performed every day since i've spoken with you except today today is the first day that i have not held sticks in my hand and and not played because uh because i did this theater show right i we did this we did this podcast last week right after i had done our first dress rehearsal the next night was the second dress and then we had five performances um of of big fish and it was a fun show the it, it was it was a unique pit experience for me because uh, I think I mentioned last week there was an effect. There's like a mermaid or something that came out of the stage. And so they had to use the actual pit where, you know, which is at the front of the stage and sunken down. Uh, they used that for the mermaid, which meant we were relegated to being a hundred percent upstage behind scenery. There was never a chance that the, that the crowd would see us. And it, and it created a, several very interesting things for me. Number one, it meant it didn't matter what I wore. Uh, you know, we didn't have to be dressed in blacks. You know, we, we we had to look like we weren't, you know, we didn't just roll in off the street. But, eh, you know, we kind of could have, <laughs> you know, the only people that right. saw us were the cast. So so that part of it was was very convenient. Um, it it uh, it did it, it on. Uh, well, I guess opening night, my parents came. So I went out into the house afterwards and, and saw them. And, and that was fine. And the next night, I, nobody at least I didn't know anybody that was there. And so I showed up, I sat down, I warmed up, you know, we played the show. There's an intermission at intermission. I kind of walk elsewhere in the building and go and, you know, get water and use the bathroom or whatever and come back and play the rest of the show. We finish. I don't have to load anything out until the last day. So we finish. I, you know, kind of put my sticks back in the case and I say goodnight to my fellow pit mates. And uh, I walked out to the, who are not in the pit. Right. Yeah. Right. We're all <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and I walked to my car. And on the way to my car, I'm like, this is really bizarre. Too easy. Yeah. Well, it, it also, there were, you know, whatever uh, that night was probably the, the, the lightest attendance, but there were still 400 people there. It's a 700 person theater, you know, and I didn't see one of them. 
I mean, I walked in, I played the show and I walked out and it was as though, you know, I know they were there. I heard them applaud, but I didn't see them. And, and that I, it's gotta be the first time in my life that I've ever performed music for people and had no direct, you know, line of sight to them ever. Now where, where you were backstage, yeah. um, was there access to you by the cast and, you know, like, was there any complications or distractions that normally wouldn't be there? Yeah. So we were, we, we weren't even backstage. We were at the, at the back of the stage. We were on the stage there. The scenery was built in front of us for, for this show. So yeah, we saw the cast quite a bit. There was actually a staircase right next to me that allowed the cast to go up and down to this, um, you know, kind of second level uh, of the, at the back of the stage. So yeah, we saw them quite a bit and I would talk to them and several of these cast members I've, I've worked with in other shows. So we've, you know, gotten to at least recognize each other, even if we don't necessarily know names or, you know, a whole lot about each other. It's like, Oh, Hey, good to see you again. You know, have a good show or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just, it's uh, and everybody's very friendly and, and all of that. It was just very bizarre doing this show for, for, you know, a not insignificant number of people and just no nothing. I mean, zilch, <laughs> but, uh, but it did make uh, the shows went really well. It's always fun. I've said I've said it before. I you know the the theater thing very different from playing a rock and roll show. Uh, but I like the focus of just like diving into a book and having to really follow everything, even just counting rests. You know you got to get it right. There's there's no second chance, right? You know you, you've got to hit your marks. And our music director is fantastic. This guy John Burst that that directed this show, or music directed the show. He cues us so well. I mean, he makes it so easy. And, um, but even still, you know, you, you want to respect the guy and not have to just rely on him all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. But, um, but you know, I, I liked it and, uh, and it was fun. It was a good show because of where we were. They actually told me to play as loud as I could. There's something you don't hear too often. <laughs> nope. Especially not for a theater show, but, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like, wait, seriously, you know, it's like, cause I said to him, like, I'm playing really loud. They're like, yeah. Can you give us more? I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> Sign right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Can, I need to record this conversation. Yeah. And then, um, and then on Sunday after the show, uh, and again, this is something that was totally made possible by the fact that we weren't involved with the crowd at all. I had Lisa, my wife wasn't feeling well. My son had a hockey game to get to. and we had to leave. Um, well, here's the thing. We had to leave the house by five fifteen PM. I played the last note of music at four fifty, So 25 minutes between when I played the last note of music and when I had to leave the house with Lucas to get to, to his hockey game. And that meant loading out my drums and I made it home. Oh. And of course the theater is only five minutes from the house, but still, you know, finish the show, load out, and uh, it's the fastest I've ever loaded out drums in my life. But uh, but because we didn't have to negotiate around crowd or anything, it, it you know, it, it worked. Um, in yeah, fact, we have. Uh, I, was, I was just going to say, in fact, it, at uh, at intermission, I, I had congas to play, too, but I only needed them in the first act. So in, at intermission, I actually brought my congas to my car <laughs> to accelerate the loadout. So for efficiency. Yeah, why not? Yeah, we have one. We have one uh, club date that we do where. um we play from 7.30 to 10.30, and then the DJ hits immediately. And I've talked about this club before. Yeah. Is that It's actually kind of cool. It works very, very well. But there's this changeover in the audience from kind of our 
classic rock, funk, and soul audience to DJ style music. So the audience gets dramatically younger as time goes by. Yep. But we've actually had to, that whole thing about negotiating through the crowd. I mean, the, by the time the DJ starts, you have basically both crowds in there. Right. And so it's pretty packed. And so, you know, Nick getting his keyboards out and Joe getting his drums out. Finally, we've had to put some stanchions up and actually get security to kind of, you know, lead the way as these guys get out. So that, that is a total hassle, but I did have one question for you about playing as loud as you can. Yeah. How about the other musicians you were playing with? I mean, well, that was the thing I, I, I still, I just played at a volume that was, comfortable which was a true treat i mean it usually at theater gigs i have to be very restrained and all of that so i just played at a volume that was comfortable and we as a pit had had a good blend amongst ourselves we could all hear and uh and i you know honestly they should have mic'd us a lot differently people in the house said you know we can't they, i mean people even said uh we can't really hear the drums we can't you know uh-huh. they, they had no idea that there were trumpets playing um you know, so that part of it was kind of a shame that, you know, but it was, did it was they more, skimp on the, on the band? Like not, did they mic you? Did they mic you sufficiently? Did they mic you? Well, not sufficiently. Completely? Yeah. They, they, they didn't mic the drums at all. They mic'd, they had one mic to be shared between two uh, of the woodwinds and that the, each of those guys. Was there a reason why they didn't have a lot of mics? Um, yeah. Did they have enough channels? Probably, probably didn't have enough channels, uh, in the end, but they just didn't plan for it. Uh, I, I think they, they, you know, when, when the bands, this, this is a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a theater at the university of New Hampshire. It's built to do these kinds of shows. And when the band's in the pit, the sound is, you know, the, the, the room is acoustically designed such that everything just works. Right. Uh, and so they've never had to think about this before. And, uh, I think for this one, they just didn't. You know, it was like, well, the band will be on stage. Everybody will be able to hear them. It's like, well, yeah, but the, then you built a wall between us and, you know, and and the crowd. And it actually sounded to most people like the band was behind a wall. Um, Got it. Yeah. So it just was one of it was the first time they ever did something like this. I think it was sort of a learning experience for everybody. It was like, oh, well, you know, so so I didn't overplay. I mean, I, you know, there were moments I had a, I had some moments where it was just me playing and I, I tried to play out uh, enough, but. Even then, my my family texted me at intermission after when they came to see it one night. And they're like, yeah, we could tell you had like like this solo behind a dance break. And it sounded really cool, I think. (laughs) But we honestly, we really couldn't hear you. I was like, oh, that's awesome. (laughs) So, you know, oh, well, what can you do? Yeah. So it was fun. And and that was a one week run and you're done, right? Yeah. Yeah. Five shows and that's it, which I really like. Yeah. just based on my schedule, it's hard for me to commit to, you know, four weekends of Thursday through Sunday shows um, at any point in my life. But to do one week makes a lot of sense for me. So um, yeah. so so it actually gets me a lot of those gigs because a lot of musicians aren't into that because they're like, well, I got to learn a show and then only run it five times and only get paid five times. And so, you know, a lot of guys like the four week runs. Um, sure. Yeah. Are you already lined up for the next one? Yeah. Well, I have one actually back at UNH. That's only a three night run, uh, on a weekend in the early spring, I guess. Um, or mid spring, I don't know, somewhere, somewhere in April, but I'm there is, there's probably going to be something else that creeps up in the middle that I'll have to make a decision about. So it's hard. It's a commitment, you know, obviously doing anything like this, it takes a lot of time ahead of time to prep. And then, and then the week of the show is, 
Yeah, this one wasn't too bad. I mean, it was, you know, seven o'clock every night. That we, I just Here's an interesting question yeah. for you. Do your, do your cover bands ever give you any grief that you're taking weekends at a time out of, out of inventory, basically, that they could be playing? Sometimes. Um, it depends. You know, this summer I did it. I did a run of uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels that I talked about. And that one I actually split with another drummer so that uh, so that I would be available for some gigs that we already had lined up and and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've gotten a little bit of grief about it, but um, but they understand. They they know I got to feed my feed my head, you know, and that is what the theater the theater gigs do for me. Is, is, well, uh, I, I asked that question. I actually have a bit of an ulterior motive because yeah. I'd sent you an article that I thought would be pretty cool for us to talk about. My buddy, Keith Holland, he owns the local, he's like the local um, small business guitar shop in the town that I live in. Okay. You know, it's great. You know, he has interesting things in there and he builds his own guitars and he's got a really great clientele and he does a good job staying in touch with his customers, his community. And he posted this article called seven things musicians need to do besides play music. Uh-huh. And so I thought we could spend the time today and go through some of these things. And one of the themes of these things is kind of interesting. You know, I ask you this question, um, you know, do, does your band get a little gripey, you know, that there's only 52 weeks in a year. And have you taken a good one out of, out of inventory from, and if you're doing multiple of these, are you taking multiple ones of these out, right. of, out right. of inventory that they can sell and they can, and they can be playing. And so one of the themes as we talk about these seven things musicians need to do besides play music is all about, I I would hold up to the light about what seems to me as a band leader seems to me as a bit of a, a self, a self defeating approach to business um, that a lot, that it seems to me a lot of musicians have. And um, I'll just start with that. And then I'm going to kind of come back to this a couple of times as we go through this list. But, and if you could, you know, post the, post the link in the show notes. That'd Absolutely. Be really helpful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's funny so because game? yeah. Amongst the six of us in the pit, I think it was uh Saturday night before the show, we wound up having a conversation about subs and, and, you know, commitment and, and all of that. And it was easily decided amongst the amongst all of us that horn players are the worst at that. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, it's like they, they'll just like bail the day before a gig because, oh, t- I got a better paying gig uh, somewhere else. So I got you a sub, you know, it's like, well, that's not what I hired. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, yep. Well, I, I have to say my guys are good. I, now. And I mentioned and I mentioned you. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, well, you figured it and out. I've actually had guys. Yeah. yeah. You know, I found the guys who. We're willing to take quantity right as commitment and, That's right. and uh, you know, and wanted to be in a band and those types of things. So I found guys and we've said this, you know, this is 37, 38 episodes that we've done. You know, the, the one common denominator that I think runs through successful bands is that the people in the band are on the same page about the expectations. That's it. I think that is the foundational thing that keeps a band together, keeps a band and makes a band successful. I mean, that you you grow together yep. if you're all in the same train. And so this is kind of interesting because I'm going to I'm going to ask you about these things. And it's, it's not really about you and, and, and doing no. doing shows. It's more about, you know, kind of my observations. And certainly we can have the conversation about horn players. I'll say at the very top, I had a horn player who a uh, good player. He subbed for me two or three times and we liked him a lot. And he was moving up in our list of who we were going to be first call for subs. And then he did exactly that. He bailed on me a couple of days before a gig because he got a higher paying gig and sent somebody else to the gig. 
and I haven't called him again. I won't call him again. And if anybody asks me, I'll, I'll say that he does this. I mean, I, I think that's a pretty you know, major offense, you know, to, that your commitment is so, so lucid, so, so loose. Yeah. But it, it just, you know, and, and again, you know, to that kind of conversation we were having the other night, it, it was, it seemed like there's a lot of horn players and I do, certainly don't want to lump them all in because not, they're not always like this, but who just feel like that's okay. And to me, I, you know, I've always felt there's one time in my life that I canceled a gig to, to do a gig that was a better gig, but it was a, one of the hardest decisions I ever made. And B, I came into it with, all right, look, here's this thing. I feel terrible about doing this. Here's my reasons for doing it. Here's my solutions for the rest of us in, you know, in, in what this is going to, what this is going to do. And, you know, it was this whole big negotiation. It wasn't just like, so I'm taking this other one. Thanks guys. Bye. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because a, I think it's because you're a business person and you right. understand relationships and, and commitments. The only time that I've ever done that is with certain clubs. I have agreements that um, if we get a, a corporate gig, I can call the club and if they can replace us, Yep. You know, but if they can't, I'm not going to bail on the gig, even if it's, if it's money, because a deal's a deal, but the a only deal's a deal. time that we're ever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's do this. I'll set it up this way. This is the, uh, the intro to the article. It says nothing means more to you than music. You went to music school. You've played in bands since you were 14. Every morning you throw on your favorite recording and immediately pick up your guitar and play or drums every single day. So why do you feel stressed out, unsure, moody, and restless? And where's all the money? If you're frustrated about your lack of success in music, then it's time you sit down your guitar and think about these seven things you need to do besides playing music to be a successful musician. And here's number one. Be your own boss. Oh. You're shooting yourself in the foot if you're waiting to be found by a manager, booking agent, or producer. The days of people looking to represent artists are all but over. You need to be more than a musician. You need to be your own boss. And here's what that means. And there's a couple bullets. And so just jump in anytime if any of these things resonate with you. Yeah. Uh, be, be the man. Be the person to text your bandmates and organize and communicate the time of your next practice. Own that. That's a huge sure. thing. Yep. Absolutely. Someone's got to. Someone has to do it. That's right. Yep. Figure out how to book shows for your band and follow up enough to actually book one. And we talked about booking, yeah. right? We, you know, we've, we've, we've circled the concept of booking and we've given some tips, but that concept of, I think that's where we were, where we left it as we said, be diligent, pick up the phone, establish a relationship and figure out what is going to work for you. If you're just sending out emails, you know, I had a guy, I had a guy in a, in a local band here. He asked me to listen to his um, demo CD and he, he said he wants to play the festival circuit, which is kind of what our, our band does really well. Sure. Um, so I listened to it. I said, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, there's some, you know, the singer was really good. You know, the mix was not great. And I said, mostly it, it's not going to necessarily it matter. Yeah. It's not going to distinguish you. And that's exactly it. It doesn't matter. All you're doing. It's basically a different shaped business card. It's, it's a reason for when you get on the phone with someone to say, Hey, I sent you that CD. Did you have a chance to listen to it? Oh no. Well, let me tell you what was on. Let me tell you about it. You know, it's, it's a conversation starter. Yep. Some, some organizations will listen to stacks of CDs. Most get so many. They don't No, they don't. But if, but it shows that you're serious. 
it, you know, it means, it means something. Just don't expect people to tell you, God, I really love that lick you did on bar three of that tune. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like, it's not going to yeah. happen. It, you know, I've, I've never heard Mustang Sally before. Did you, is that, is that an original of yours? <laughs> did, you, did you guys come up with the, what, what drove you to pick that song? Like, nobody's going to care about that, but yeah, you need to do it. But you know, as I was, as you were reading this, figure out how to book shows for your band and follow enough, follow up enough to actually book one. That uh, that resonated a little differently with the, with me because I'm not the guy these days anyway. I'm not the guy that books uh, for the bands that I'm in, but it means a lot, especially to the person who is doing the bulk of the booking work. If other people in the band can occasionally come up with their own gig and follow through with the whole organization of it, right? Like you get the booking, don't just hand it off to the guy who's doing all the rest of the legwork, unless you've got somebody who's actually paid to do all that. But if it's someone in the band that's doing it because they just want to make the band work, which is you, you know, in, in your band, if, 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 and, and not me in, in, uh, in fling or in chafed, but if I get a gig from one of these bands, I own it, right? I, I make sure I get all the logistics together. I do everything I need to do. I communicate everything to the guys and it, I know it's appreciated by the, uh, you know, by the, the people that are doing the bulk of the booking, because they get to take one off, you know, they exactly. I, yep. Let me reiterate a lot of what you're saying. So remember how I said there's this, what I often feel would be a, a self-limiting approach to one's own business. If you're a self-employed musician. So I, I work in a band that's 10 people and I bust my tail and we play about 60 gigs a year. Imagine if all 10 guys did that. Yeah. I mean, you want the, even you want the revenue, you want the income, right? I mean, everybody wants to get paid, you know, for their time. You don't, Imagine want, ten, if all you don't people, want 10 guys booking all the gigs though. I mean, you, you want, you know, one or two guys booking most of them. And then the other, eight, you understand what I'm saying? Philosophically, I I, right? I, philosophically I, I do. Yeah. But you don't want 10 chiefs, right? <laughs> you know, that, that I, doesn't No, I work. don't want 10 chiefs. Right. Although, although there's a difference between a chief and being a booking. I mean, in I my, yeah. you know, I would, I, I would happily, commission the guy you know who brings in a gig if someone else brought in a gig i've right? always so- insisted or tried to insist and in the bands i'm in now the guys who do the bulk, the bulk of the booking have declined this but i've always felt like whoever books the gig should take 10 percent off the top and then huh. and then the rest is split amongst everyone including that person assuming that, that you know that the person yeah. who books the gig is also playing the gig i've always felt that way because <laughs> it, you know it's extra work and i get it you know so let me, let me end with this. Yeah. What you said is particularly salient is as the guy who is the leader and who does 90% of the booking in my, maybe 95% of the booking. When someone brings in a, a gig, someone else, it is incredibly appreciated that, you know, it, it, if, if even only on a subjective level, it feels like someone else is trying to carry the load. Yes. It is tremendously appreciated. And so, uh, you know, a, if you want your band to work more, you know, shouldn't there be some incentive that that multiple guys should go out if you're all working that hard? And I always say, and this can be in a lot of ways, if if let all 10 guys motivated on the business as much as as I was, and, and this would be in any group that I've ever played in, you know, I, there there's more upside to be had if you expand the bandwidth, I guess is what it, is what it really comes down to. But, you know, I guess it's a it's a you know, like a sociology thing, you know, a group kind of eases into 
oh, he takes care of that. And, you know, those types of things. And, you know, if I was a sideman and I'm not often a sideman, you know, in most of the groups I'm in, I, I participate in the booking. And then I also book my solo stuff. You know, if that was going to be my income, my revenue, you know, I'd say, Hey, how can I help? How can I help? I, yeah. I, do, I would say that I would say this. I don't, I don't understand the philosophy of a, of, of a pure sideman. It seems like it's very self-limiting in terms of the upside that you have. So well, anyway, it, it is, I, you know, I, I've, um, I've spent a lot. It's hard for me to be just a sideman, though. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've got too much ambition to, to just be that, but it is convenient, um, at times to just say, you know, let me know. But if you're going to be a sideman, you also have to relegate yourself to that role, which means, you know, you don't get as much say in what else is going on. You know, somebody else is doing all the work and they've hired you and you just show up and do it. It's like these theater gigs. I don't get to say, you know, I don't that song number four. It doesn't doesn't resonate with me. So let's just cut that out of the out, out of the show. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't get to do that. Right. I got to play right. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's me. All right. Let's keep moving on here because we've got seven to get through. So number right. two, go to shows, get out there, listen to other music, see what the competition is doing, see what's working in the other clubs, be a part of your scene, be a part of your community. I think this is kind of a no brainer. I mean, I know, and especially in this age of social media, it's really interesting. Um, I go to shows and invariably if I show up at a show, if sometimes I get asked to sit in, which is nice and cool, but I'll, I'll often get a shout out, which is a huge, you know, ego thing. Of course. And then, and then also, you know, people will put on Facebook, Paul from the house rockers was there. That's another imprint for your band looking like you are out and, and part of the world in which you're, you're fostering the community in which you're living in, which I think is a very powerful, powerful thing. It is. I, yeah. It, I mean, it, again, you know, we, we both see these things in, in different ways, but I don't disagree with you at all. In fact, I, what you're, what you say is perhaps, you know, the most important aspect of it, especially when you're talking about it in a local community, because it, you know, you do wind up supporting each other and, and it is important that people know that, yeah, okay, I'm here to support you and, and all of that. But going to shows, you can learn a lot too. You know, you don't, if, if, as long as you don't walk in there thinking, well, I'm going out because it's, you know, this guy's band and it's going to look good for me to be there. But uh, but they're rank amateurs. And frankly, you know, I'm not going to learn anything from them. You know? <clears throat> right. Because you, you can you can learn it. You can learn things from all all kinds of people. But just, you know, being aware of, oh, how are they setting up? You know, even if it's somebody's 10th gig and it's your thousandth gig, uh, you know, you can watch somebody and say, hey, wait a minute. That's interesting what they're doing there. You know, I can adopt a, a piece of that and and make our show better or make our setup more efficient or, you know, whatever it is, go in to learn. And uh, and I always learn something from from any show I go see. And I, I think it's the great. benefits of this. Yeah. It goes even farther. I mean, it gives you FaceTime with club owners or right. venue bookers. Right. That's huge. Um, like you said, you, you're going to learn something. Uh, you learn something about the technical details. How does a club sound? Yeah. How do other people mix that club? Right. You, yeah, you know, totally. so, you know, how do other people set up and use the available space? A lot of the, as we're talking mostly about club venues here, but it goes for just about anything. Yeah. Um, I learned it's a lot just, going it's, to going to arena concerts too. I mean, you, you know, you see sure. like, wow, look at what they did there. That had this effect on me. How can I, I can't, I obviously can't afford that light show, but what could I do that would, you know, enhance our show in that same way? And you can, you know, you can start to get creative about it. 
And for me, inspiring. like I was saying last week about the Halloween thing, I was sitting there and this band came in and they, they played this kind of funk fake book stuff and, and they were going over great. And I, w- and I told you last week, I was like, I want that gig. You know, it gets you hungry. It gets you, it gets your juices up to go out and play when you see other people doing well. You know, you want to do well as well. So yeah. uh, going to shows, I, I think that's core. I think that's, that's a foundational thing that musicians should do. Be yep. a part of your community. Go learn. Always be learning. You know, always be hungry. Always be a part of your scene. I think it's great advice. And talk to your accountant, but you might very well be able to write off, you know, cover charges, maybe even a bar tab uh, if you're out. You know, I mean, that there's there's a level of what you're doing that's professional development, right? You know, and so there there might be something there for you, too. Right. But Paul and Dave Inc. are not qualified to give financial advice. No, we are not. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even qualified to take our own financial advice. That's right. <laughs> All right. Number three, make friends. Making friends with your fellow musicians and fans will help you help your music take on a life of its own. It makes sense. If people can understand you, they can better understand your music. I, I when we were talking at the top about, you know, that there are fans who listen to this, it's interesting the feedback that I get and um uh, it is a way to let people behind the kimono that is a little, a little easier. I mean, you know, we know as a musician, you know, it's, it's there, it's long days, can be long days. You know, it's, it's intense. You work hard in your shows, you're sweaty and you may not always be in like a calm demeanor to socialize. I told you once that you gave me some of the best advice I ever got about use your breaks to go out and shake people's hands and thank people for coming. And that's, that's a good, great time to kind of foster your community. It's one of the things that have always stuck with me about doing club dates. Um, uh, you know, about, about making, making your scene, making your fan base and you have to connect. And so making friends with not only fellow musicians, but with your fans, I think is great advice. Yeah, I need to follow that more. It's it's easy to get stuck in your own head. You know, you're playing music uh, and you, you don't want there's a lot of times. It, in fact, oftentimes the shyest person in the room is the person on stage. Right. And well, it's hard. That That's their outlet often. And yeah. you're, it's also I, I would say this way. It's really hard to be on all the time. And mm-hmm. if you're really focused on giving a great show, that's a level of on. That's just kind of a different level of on. And sometimes you do need that decompressed time. But I think it's really fair to say, if this is your job, this is a very important part of your job. I agree. And so, you you know, you have to suck it up, even if it's not natural to you, you know, just going out, shaking people's hands, thanking them. You're going to get a lot of advice, like turn up the drums or, you know, yeah, or yeah. turn up the vocals turn, or, turn, you know, or can you never, play this song? Never going to hear turn up the drums. Just, just bear that <laughs> you, in mind. You just heard it. Dave. I know it's true. It's you just true. heard it. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I would say this, if, if you're want to be a working musician, this is part of the gig. Yeah. You're, you are not Celine Dion where you get to retire to your, your, um, I don't know Celine Dion. So maybe she's yeah, maybe, awesome at this. Maybe I don't she know. Is, but, I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but you're not I Celine would, Dion. It doesn't matter. That's right. That's true. Working your crowd is part of the gig yeah. uh, and making friends and also, you know, being cool to other musicians, a, a sit in every now and then inviting a sit in. If it's, you know, if you know, it's going to work out, you know, if you know the guy's reputation, we've, we talked about this a lot, Yeah, you know, it's fun for the audience. Sometimes it brings a new energy to the band. Um, you know, there's a lot of things and you get, 
a reputation. And that's also when you're good to your fellow musicians. That's one way to open the gates to referrals. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. People remember that stuff. Yeah. It's important. I agree. I agree. All right, it's not always on. easy, nope. but it's important. It is very important. Number four, represent your band. Audiences today want the real thing. Do you dress the way your music sounds? And dress could be a mini series of, of Paul and Dave podcasts that we could talk about. I'm putting Do it on the list. Like we should definitely talk about that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Do you look like a musician? Do you smell okay? Uh, your communication skills are just as important. Are you polite to people you don't know when you meet them for the first time? Do you make eye contact? You are your band's best PR. Yeah, you're, you're the brand ambassador for your band. If you and that's it. And right. ambassador. Yeah. And you don't think of yourself as a marketer, but unless you want to stay home, I don't care how good you are as a cover band, you you've got to do things that make you different and, and all the things you do in summation. And that's really a great way to think about it. Brand ambassador, your band is a brand and people identify it within a certain way. There are bands out here that are all ex touring pros. They are, they are note perfect on everything and they don't work. And there's bands out here that are just really hardworking and they work crowds and you know, they, they've made a life for themselves in music. And, and I think a lot of this is how you go about this stuff. So uh, understand it's, it's everything. It's, it's your website. It's how you dress. It's how you talk to your fans. There is no just showing up to the gig, playing your notes and walking off stage. You know, it's, that's not the life of, of a band. And most, you know, like you, you're in the Northeast is a reasonably competitive market. I'm in the Bay area is a reasonably competitive market. Not a lot of venues, and uh, not a lot of corporate gigs. So, that, you know, there's a, there's a fixed amount of, of inventory and there's a, a boatload of supply. How are you going to put the odds in your favor? You know, you, you just said you're not going to show up. You're not going to play and just walk out. Um, I, and I just mentioned that I did that, right, for this theater <laughs> gig. Well, but I didn't. I mean, the, the, I didn't just show up and play and leave. I talked to my fellow musicians. You know, I talked to some of the cast. I, you know, you, you, I have to be, I have to represent myself well the whole time, not just when I'm playing. And that meant, and I knew this, you know, as the show was ending on Sunday and I knew I had this limited period of time and I'm planning out in my head, okay, I can pack this, I can do that. And really trying to like pull it all together. Meanwhile, counting rests and making sure I don't miss my cue to come in or whatever. Part of what I accounted for time-wise was going around to each of the people in the pit, shaking their hand and saying, thanks. This has been a great run because I meant it. It had been a great run. Everybody played really well. You know, it was a true pleasure working with these people. It would have been totally forgivable if I said, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm not going to say goodbye. I got to run, but it, it would, it, it doesn't matter how forgivable it would be. It would be remembered. And it's, it, you know, and so I took, I added five minutes into my routine and went to each person and had a little conversation with them. And they're like, don't you have to get your stuff? Out? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. You know, this has been great. It's been good to see you. Hope we work together again. That kind of thing. I, I'll actually say it's very, I've, it's been very interesting to me over the time of, of, you know, playing music and meeting the people in my musical community that the most accomplished ones are the coolest ones. And, and, you know, there's, there's an appreciation that some other guy is out there just trying to make some, you know, make some sounds that make people happy that that's a noble pursuit unto itself that, that 
this dawns on the successful musicians that it's about all of these things. It's about your chops, but it's about your approach. It's about your demeanor. It's about, um, it's, it, you get respect if you've built a band that has some substance to it and, you know, or if you play in a band that has some substance to it, you know, the work that goes into making that happen, that resonates with even the most experienced and successful musicians. Of course. And, but, and, it's, and especially it's, with the most experienced and successful, because <laughs> they it could be the other way, both ways, though. Right. You, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But there are also there are those occasional ones who are just, you know, difficult people and difficult people in music. That's a tough road. You know, if, if you are not willing to kind of like embrace that, that uh, you are you have to be on. You have to be representing your brand and uh, and uh, and your band and yourself um, or you're just making it harder on yourself and it's limiting in so many ways. So yep. so we're kind of saying the same thing. It dawns on you and me because we have like customers that we invoiced in our day jobs. Right. Correct. And yeah, it's customer service. That's right. Yeah, that's it. And it's, it's building our brand. So yep. anyway, number four was represent your brand. Number five, we've been talking about this in the next, last couple of weeks. Never stop practicing. Yeah, I don't know what else to the say about that Best musicians I know. Yep. Well, the, the best musicians I know. Um, there, there's a band here that won a Grammy in the, uh, they have a, a big band that plays Latin um, music and they actually won the Grammy in their, in their category wow. last year. Awesome. Yeah, they want a, a freaking Grammy, right? And he's subbed for my band. He's a fabulous musician. And he says his routine is he wakes up and he practices for three hours. This is a Grammy award winning musician. That's you know, why. Yeah. Right. That's it. You know, if you are serious about your craft, practice is part of the regimen. I've been saying I want to get, you know, two, three hours a day in as a, I'm really going to press it for a little while. Yeah. But for the, for the real musicians, practice is is a part of your daily it's it's like eating it's just part of what you do yeah and it, you know practice brings me and i would assume this is true for most people but uh, you know just i'll talk about me it brings me more than just increasing my chops right and 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 the obvious benefits of spending time you know playing my instrument it also brings me focus on what i want to do musically right it, and and i mean it, like I, there was a time actually when I moved to Connecticut uh, years and years ago, I moved from Austin up to Connecticut and I wasn't in a band and I was sort of getting frustrated because I was having trouble finding people. And there were some folks that I knew that when I said I was moving back, they're like, oh, yeah, definitely. We should play together. I want to get you in the band. But, you know, it, when you actually get there, they're like, well, we have, sort of have a good thing going with the people I'm playing with now. I can't really just, you know, throw that apart. And I wouldn't expect them to, you know, and mm. and I was a little frustrated. And I just I remember thinking to myself. It starts with playing. And if I play every day, A, it's good for me. I'm playing music. And B, it's just going to lead me down the right path. And sure enough, you know, it didn't take very long. And I found a fantastic band that that I really liked playing with. And But it just was, you know, if I was playing every day, then it was, okay, I've finished playing. My mind's on music. Now I'm going to do whatever those other things are that I would have had to do at the time, you know, to to go and find whatever it was I wanted to find. In that case, it was finding a band, but maybe it's finding a gig for my band or you know, whatever it is. You, you know, your head's in that space. If you're not practicing, it's easy to forget about it altogether, you know, and just play when a gig comes up or whatever, you know, and then you're not pushing yourself along. 
there there's so much to learn so many styles so many yeah well there's that too I mean, it's right. a never-ending yeah. process correct it, it, i i liken this I, t- I think i told this story once before one of my favorite all-time basketball players is chris mullen chris mullen was a slow white guy growing up in brooklyn and um he became famous for being a gym rat i mean literally when practice ended that was only the beginning of his practice. He would shoot free throws and he would shoot outside shots for another couple of hours. Musicians should be gym rats, you know? Yeah. Musicians should be on a net. You can never play too much. You're on a, you're always on a quest. And I actually find that the biggest thing that's limiting among people I know when they don't practice is a, is a dread of self doubt that they feel that they're not good enough to ever master something new. It's comfort zone. You know, they're, they're, they're good with their particular collection of riffs or, 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 or beats or, or whatever it may be. Whatever it is. Sure. But, but that self doubt is, is, you know, it's a whole nother thing. So, so practicing is, is I think essential. You have to evolve as a musician because you're going to be addressed with other styles to get other opportunities to grow your, your appeal. I mean, there's the, the return on it is endless. It, so it never is. stop practicing with yep. number five. Yep. Interesting. Number six. And as I say here, leave your comfort zone. Let me read this. Cause it's really interesting. Your band's sound and style represents who you are and what you want to be. But most musicians make a big mistake in limiting their appreciation focus to just their favorite style of music. Is it important to realize musical styles are not an Island? Many styles overlap and couldn't exist without each other. Learn how to appreciate music you might be at odds with. Think to yourself, why do people like this? Go to see performers in different genres and see what they do differently. You'll gain a better understanding of music in general, and it'll show in your playing. I am the living embodiment of this. Because when I started playing music again, I wanted to play. (laughs) Dude, I wanted to play all Springsteen all the time. And uh, I I got in a band, and uh, you know, I thought of myself as, well, won't people think I'm a great musician if I play Springsteen really, really well? And, um, you know, I, and I come in contact and, you know, horns and funk and tower of power and a little bit of big band stuff and, and, uh, and, you know, a few different styles, a musician can play whatever is put in front of them. You know, that that's when you're a musician. And I think that's what we should all quest for. Yep. Can you play whatever it takes? Yep. Yeah. I, um, I too am living proof of this, uh, I remember the first time I really, when I really learned this and I had a great drum teacher that, that, that preached this, right. I mean, it was learn every style and he taught me every style, you know, made sure that I had, you know, some working knowledge of what a Samba groove was, you know, all these different things. So that if I ever found myself in a position where somebody said, Oh, it's a Samba. It's like, well, I might not play exactly what you're looking for, but I'm not going to play a rock beat. You you know, it's going to be closer than it could have been if I didn't know this. But um, I remember being asked to join this band and it was a popular band in my high school, but they were playing. I was totally Mr. Proghead, right? And they were playing (laughs) cure tunes and, 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 um, and REM tunes. And, And these were bands at the time that I hated. I mean, I just hated everything about them because it wasn't, you know, cerebral, uh, rock and roll. Right. You know, and, uh, and I joined this band and found that, wow, I do like playing this stuff. And then as it turns out, I actually like listening to this stuff too. And, you know, REM became one of my favorite bands for a long time. Um, really was into them. Same thing happened to me with country music in Texas. 
I was, you know, I got a phone call. Somebody said, Hey, I need a drummer for a couple of country gigs. Uh, so-and-so recommended you. I'm wondering why, you know, I've never played a country gig in my life, but awesome. Great. The phone rang. I'm doing the gig. And I thought, Oh, I'm going to hate this. I learned so much playing simple quote unquote, you know, simple country grooves. And you have to play that stuff right on the money. Yeah. You know, it, you, you have a job to do and it's, it's, it's all about this, this tying it in and making sure the, the, the pocket is right and the tempos are perfect and the brakes are right. And it's not easy. And it's, uh, it's hard to play simple. And, and you could almost say it's as hard to play simple as it is to play hard. Correct. I mean, you know, if, you know, the, the striving to do very complex things is maybe just a different area of the brain, but every bit as much discipline to master it as to playing a, you know, a simple Ringo beat or, you know, a straight ahead Charlie Watts beat, you know, it's, it's just a different type of hard. It's a, it's totally a different type of hard. Yeah. And so it's totally true. You got to leave your comfort zone. I, 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 and if, and I, if I get frustrated with musicians and I, I know uh, you think I'm a, a nice guy and I have a lot of patience and I'm glad, that, <laughs> I'm glad that you think that, but it's not actually true. I don't, maybe I'm a nice guy. Um, I strive to be a nice guy, but I, I lack a lot of patience. Um, and where it really comes out very quickly is when I see someone refusing to try to leave their comfort zone. I would much rather see somebody try and fail and understand why they failed sure. than to say, no, I'm not interested. I, you know, that's outside of my, I can't do that. Like, man, yeah. I mean, it even just saying it boils me inside. It's like, no, I can't live like that. You know, I can't even be well, around. Well, a few here. thoughts of that. A, if you're a musician and you're not supportive of somebody trying to stretch outside their comfort zone, then you're just a jerk. You know, that that's not cool. Right. Not everybody's going to be great at everything. No, you're not going to be great, if but try. Giving an honest, yeah, yeah. Giving, if someone's giving an honest effort to stretch, you should be encouraging of that because that's just, a, that's just, a, that's just being a decent human being. I think yeah. that that's great. Yeah. I, you know, when I started playing, I had this firm religious relief that rock and roll saves lives. You know, it, it is it, this transformative art form that in its simplicity, you, you know, gets people through their youth and, and does things that, that affect the, the quality of their life. For their, and, I, and actually felt the opposite about that, about a lot of funk stuff. I thought funk was just party stuff. And there wasn't, you know, much message to it, all these types of things. Wow. And in this band, yeah, you know, in this band, um, you know, I've learned to have a much greater appreciation for it. And at the end of the day, this is it. It's about making people happy. Here's the best example. A lot of people have a real problem playing sweet Caroline too much kitsch, you know, it's, sure. it's not a serious song, you know, a million reasons I've heard for why the song isn't good. I defy any musician to play Sweet Caroline and hear 5,000 people smiling, laughing, singing along with music that you're making and not get high on that. I, I just, I defy anyone to do that. It doesn't matter if it's 5,000 or five. It, it's the same reaction. You should, I mean, Fair it's, enough. it's a, it, it's a blast. Of course, it's you're a, connecting with other humans. How, how much better can it get than that? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Number seven, sacrifice yourself. The sacrifices that elevate musicians to the levels they dream of are the kind you can't compute with numbers or dollars. It's about sacrificing your own personal hangups and prejudices, prejudices by doing what you have to do, not what you want to do. So this is more about comfort zone stuff. Those sacrifices include things like 
sending out, sending out thousands of emails or Facebook messages or showing up on time and staying late. It's giving up that extra beer so that you don't skip work the next morning or have one more beer to talk with your favorite musician who might want you on, a, on their bill if, if they're booking a show. And catching every show means less time at work with your friends or with your significant other. This is, I, I think this is it. You know, are you in this for real or are you, I, I, I cautiously say this, or are you posing? Yeah. Are you committed to being good at this? Whether it's, whether it's a, a solo act, a simple cover band, a working cover band, playing with other people of your same level. Yes, it is for fun. You do it because it's fun, but that doesn't mean that it's not important to do right. And I think that that's what this gets to. Sacrificing yourself means there's, there's a lot of, of pretty good lines you can draw between good behavior and bad behavior in your role as a musician, in your role as a band member, as your role as a band leader. And that, that concept of sacrifice, it's kind of where I was starting this whole conversation, Dave, is, is you know, you, you may have a lack of patience that I have not experienced directly, but I believe you if you say it. But um, <laughs> I can bring some but, people uh, on if we need to, you know, have a cast of, uh, of, of people to convince you. I, I'm, I'm that you've left in your wake. Right? <laughs> um, but um, th- this would be the thing that um, would be my sticking pit is like, I have immense respect for people who take their professionalism as a musician seriously. People who are in it and are doing, you know, I have a pretty high bar for this type of stuff and I am willing to come to grasp grass that not everybody would do things the way that I would do things in their approach to managing themselves or managing their participation in a band. And I'll say that participation in a band you know, there, there is a leader and then there is, sure. you know, right. But I have the utmost respect. I've, I've talked about this band in my area. that has been together over 40 years. You know, this guy has run a professional band for over 40 years, kept the band together. All props to this guy. You know, um, um, Nick and my band is a fabulous musician. He desperately wants to find a good teacher to take his already great chops to another level. And I give him props for that. You know, I'd like to think, you know, my intent to go out and, you know, always work on the hardest part for me, which is singing, work on my, on, on my vocal chops. I think, you know, if someone sees me in that lobby waiting to go in for my lesson, they'll be like, well, you already playing in a working band. I'm like, you can always, always get better. You know, everything. If you are a musician, you are in this for a lifestyle not for two hours, three hours on stage in the bar in front of your, you know, girls you want to impress. It's important to take that seriously. This stuff is still so important with, with live music getting such a difficult squeeze in the world. Um, we need people who really respect the craft and everything that goes with it. I, cu- I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And, and I think you can, I don't want to say they take it to another level, but people playing, original music certainly embody this. Um, and, and, and I look forward to hearing from, uh, from Mark next week about, um, about all that too, because he's, he's, yeah. he's stayed the course. He's still doing a lot of original stuff. And we played, we played probably, you know, I, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it next week, but you know, we started as just originals. And then eventually we got to that point where it was kind of half originals, half covers. Cause you've got to do that in order to, you know, to survive and, and work. And, um, it's it's but yeah the sacrifice i mean it's if it's part of who you are it's part of who you are um and if it's just something to do for fun 
I guess, I guess at least be honest about that, not just with yourself, but with your fellow musicians. Um, mm. you, know, you started this by, by saying you've got to be in sync with your, with your bandmates. And I think that's, that's an important level. What, you know, where does the sacrifice fall for you? Is it, is it just two hours on a Saturday and nothing more? Or is this something, is this a lifelong pursuit that turns into occasionally two hours on a Saturday for fun, but there's, you know, there's a whole lot more beneath the surface. Well, I'd I'd actually be a little bit harder. I'd actually be a little bit ruder about that. I would actually say, don't take up space, you know, because you have a buddy who owns a, who owns a club and you can get that gig. Yeah. If you're not in this, if you're not committed to, you know, respecting what it means to be a musician, get out of the way. Yeah, it's true. I, you know, it's funny. I was at a jam session a couple of weeks ago um, with some friends down in Connecticut. And there was this guy there that I'd never met before, this guy named Greg. And he showed up and I'd heard he was a guitar player. And it was like, okay, fine. You know, um, and, and when he showed up, he was this like happy go lucky guy that, I mean, just, you know, fun to be around. Great to have a beer with. And I'm thinking, oh man, you know, what's this guy going to, why is he here? You know, I don't get, I get to play with these friends like once a year, this guy's going to ruin it. You know, it was just the thought I had. He just, he just didn't seem serious about music you know he was clearly just there to have fun until he picked up that guitar and holy crap this guy could play he had a groove he could take he could play rhythm like nobody's business he could rip leads he was totally aware of everything that was going on and clearly took it seriously and it was like oh don't judge a book by its cover let's go yeah Yeah. uh but yeah but yeah I'm, i'm with you you know that, like, like I said, you know, I, I, I am an impatient person. My loyalty, um, I feel like perhaps balances my, my impatience. I have, I have, I'm loyal to a fault, but, um, but where my impatience really comes out is when somebody's just wasting my time like that. It's like, I get it. It, you know, I'm not the best drummer on the planet. I'm not the best musician on the planet. I don't expect you to be the best musician. You might be better than me. You might be worse than me. I don't know. But as long as we're all committed to you know, getting better and, you know, improving our craft, we're in good shape. And that's, that's what I care about. I'm with you. Yeah, I, man. You couldn't have said it any better. Yeah. All right, folks, feedback at giggabpodcast.com. Your thoughts on this would be clearly a very impassioned episode. We would love to hear what you thought uh, about this too. Paul, what a great topic for the show today. Thanks, man. It was fun. Stuff. Yeah, it was really great. Yeah. All right, Dave. Have a good week, folks. We will see you next week. Thanks.